0: You probably know some or have at least heard of these people. Tree planters. Shortly after high school, I remember seeing friends and acquaintances of mine head west to plant trees. Really? I thought. You're just going out there to plant a bunch of trees? I never thought too hard on it, but I did love how beautifully simple it all sounded. Not only that, from everything I've heard, these guys actually made some pretty good money out there. Canada is one of the largest exporters of forest products in the world, exporting over $30 billion worth of goods in 2015 alone. And this country of ours has a lot of forest, almost 10% of the forest to be exact. That is to say, in other words, just about one in every 10 trees on the planet can be found in Canada. There's a lot of money in those trees. The thing is, The days of unrestricted logging practices, at least in Canada, are mostly over. You can't just go and chop down a whole forest to your heart's content like we used to. We have to be smart and sustainable about this if we want the industry to have any future. But unfortunately, nature can't quite keep up with the demand, so the burden falls to us. In other words, the industry 15 years from now depends on people like Elise Holden. Elise has been tree planting for 10 years in British Columbia, leading her own team as foreman for the last five. She's worked in countless locations covering thousands of square kilometers and quite literally has planted over one million trees. Between this experience and her diploma in forest technology, Elise knows the ins and outs of the industry. So if you're curious to learn what inspires a person to travel 6,000 kilometers across the country, to spend her days at the mercy of the elements and bugs, and perform grueling physical labor, stay tuned, because this is Mike Syme with How to Be a Tree Planter. Thanks very much for coming today, Elise. I appreciate it.
1: No, thank you for having me.
0: I need to start from the beginning, because if you were to have asked me 15 years ago what Elise Holden would be doing for a career... I would not have said she'd be in the woods planting trees. I would have probably said you would be like on a volleyball team or something like that.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: To put it bluntly, not that there's anything wrong with it, but you were, I'd say you were a pretty big jock in junior high. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in high school too? You, yes. You played a lot of sports, but you were yeah. like, yeah, definitely basketball and volleyball. What other sports did you play in junior high, high school?
1: Um, I played primarily basketball and volleyball and Basketball became less, um, and I took a stronger liking to volleyball, and that I took started taking that more seriously.
0: What did you do your very first year after high school?
1: Uh, I went to Mount St. Vincent University and I played volleyball there.
0: When you were at Mount St. Vincent, what program did you enroll in?
1: I took biology and psychology. That was kind of my major focus.
0: The biology part of that bleed into tree planting at all, or are they kind of like unrelated?
1: Oh, completely unrelated. I did not go to, no, I did not thrive at school when I was there.
0: (laughs) Was it like a four-year degree that you were taking?
1: It was, but I only lasted two. So I went to Mount St. Vincent for two years, and I played volleyball, and then I just, I came to the realization that I couldn't play volleyball for the rest of my life anymore, and I couldn't live my life around volleyball, so I switched, and I went to NASCAD, I got a portfolio together, and then I went to NASCAD for probably about seven seven years. What and were you doing there? My starting focus was in textiles, and then I switched, or no, photography is actually where I started, then I switched to textiles.
0: So how did you get into tree planting?
1: I had friends that I went to NASCAD with, and um, people that I was in classes with like drawing classes and I they just talked about going tree planting every summer and that's kind of how they paid for school and it was a great way to be outside and with friends and just kind of take a break from the stress of school and just turn turn your brain off in that way and go work outside, get fit and make money.
0: How old were you, Elise, when you first realized that you kind of wanted to go tree planting?
1: I was 23, but it wasn't until it it was too late in the season, like it was late summer, I think, by the time I decided that I wanted to do it. So the next winter, I started applying.
0: I assumed it wasn't a straightforward path that got you into tree planting, but I really didn't realize that you floated around quite this much before you got there.
1: Yeah, I've been all over the place. I've as far as I've done lots of things in my life and I don't know. I when I look back in my life, like part of me thinks I'm kind of flailing to try and find something that I feel passionate about cuz I do so many different things, but at the same time I'm not settling on one thing. So that I that used to kind of bother me for a while, but then at the end of it 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 doesn't bother me because these are all really important experiences that I've gone through in my life to kind of get me to where I am now. And now I know how to do a lot of things, rather different things, and it's kind of rounded me into the person that I am.
0: So is that person who you are expecting to stick with forestry as a career?
1: So when I, you know, I've been doing tree planting for almost 10 years and it has definitely uh, made a mark on my life and it's been definitely a a lucrative career however you know my body's breaking down my knees are hurting I'm tired and yeah. getting older and
0: the volleyball probably didn't help you with the knees as well
1: probably not yeah. no but I love being outside I love being able to bring my dogs to work I love the freedom of being a boss and I love forest ecology forest management and Everything that kind of surrounds that. And I'm wanting to learn constantly because it's it's just all really neat. Tree planting just led me in this direction to want to continue doing work in related to forestry.
0: Which is amazing because it sounds like kind of a fluke that you were turned on to tree planting in the first place. Like somebody told you that they really liked it.
1: I guess I was just really open-minded friends of mine they said they would drive all the way out west to BC and that in itself sounded like such a such a trip and it was just kind of inspiring and I was at a point in my life where I was I was so tired of um, producing art and just kind of worn out and I needed a change in my life and I needed something that would be physically demanding but financially lucrative and a way to meet really cool people and and just went out on an edge and gave it a shot.
0: So you go out and you're, a lot of these people who start tree planting are pretty young, right? Like they're anywhere between like 18 and 22?
1: Yeah. Oh my God, they get younger every year and I just get older. So
0: <laughs> I assume a lot of them come out pretty naive.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, myself included.
0: Well, uh, and how can you not? Like, because at that age, a lot of people aren't ever exposed to a level of manual labor on that scale.
1: No, it's very, very physically demanding. I don't care what anybody says, it's very physically demanding.
0: You're on your feet the entire day. Yep. You're in the force, so you're essentially like doing a hike
1: most cases you're on a cut block. So you're really not in the forest. You're in like
0: Okay, open skies.
1: Open direct sun (laughs) bugs. All those bugs, right.
0: So Elise, every time that I've had to lather on the sunscreen and bug spray Mm -hmm. and I've been outside and sweating a bunch, I find I get pretty gross.
1: Yeah, you get used to it, honestly. Yeah. Your your standards just go down by the second out there. <laughs> and honestly, it's not about that. It's about being comfortable, and it's right. about making money.
0: Because you get paid per treat.
1: Yeah. Any Every company – I don't really know any companies that – Pay by the hectare, which is an area.
0: How do they track that? Like, can I just go out and empty my basket into like a ditch and be like, "Hey, I planted all my trees." Yeah, there's
1: definitely sketch bags out there that do that, and often they get caught a lot, a lot of times. Whether it's by their foreman or supervisor, or I don't know. uh, Sometimes even like a surveyor down the road will find trees and then they'll contact the company like the contracting company and then they they won't hire them again so they lose contracts they lose money it's so it's a really big no-no
0: well i mean if if the job is tree planting and you're not tree planting yeah i would imagine that's like kind of the single greatest criteria for holding the job so, assuming you're not one of these people that's throwing their trees in a ditch, yes. How long do most tree planters last? Uh, what's the typical career like?
1: People last one to three or four years. I'd say that's the max. But a lot of times, the people that are planting are in school, so they've got some kind of like direction, right? So they're mm-hmm. in school, they're they're. Planting to pay for school, and then they finish their degree or something, and then they go off and in, into the field in which they were studying. A lot of people do that. So, but I do know a lot of people also who have been planting for like over twenty years.
0: When you're a new tree planter, what's your learning curve like? Does it take a while to get started?
1: When you're a rookie, you know you're given the tools from your foreman and your company checker who checks your trees. You learn what works for you, but the objective is to plant good trees and and then you just get faster at that. You're slow at first, no matter what. People think that they're going to be fast the first day they're they're not they're horrible (laughs) so and often you have to go back and fix everything oh oh, yeah yeah everyone has to replant
0: almost like replant trees that have already been planted because
1: yeah because the quality is so bad you know I've heard of people not replanting but most times they they do
0: I I knew they were slower a lot slower but I didn't know that the work had to be redone
1: you know, you think you know, you've watched videos or you, you know, you've been told how to do things or a lot of people, they think about being fast first rather than getting the technique and quality down. But really, you have to get the quality down in order to get faster.
0: So again, right back to numbers. On your first day as a new tree planter, how many trees might I expect to plant?
1: Your first day... You really only have like four or five hours because you have your meeting with the client. They go over specifications about what they want. After that's all said and done, you start planting. You've got four or five hours to actually plant. And my first day, 200 trees. Had to go back and fix every single one of them.
0: Oh, man. I really didn't know that you had to replant trees. So how does that compare to people who have been planting for a couple of years? I mean, if... New people only plant 200 trees, and they have to replant them. How many trees does an experienced person plant in that same amount of time?
1: In that amount of time, I'd hope 1,500 trees, maybe, maybe a bit, maybe more.
0: So what's the difference? How are people with just a couple years' experience able to plant seven or eight times as many trees as a rookie?
1: There's a lot. At the beginning, there's a lot of things you just get better at it the more you do it. And yeah. it's knowing what to look for. Once you've been doing it for so long, you know where spots are.
0: So there's another thing. I kind of assumed you just like, okay, I'm here, and I'm just gonna walk in a line, in every three steps I'll plant a tree. Yeah. It's not. No, No,
1: <laughs> no there's, there's a lot of like little things, and over time you learn how to like see what is gonna be a spot you've got obstacles like you've got rocks to watch out for tree roots like just shallow soils in general like lots of different things that make the job harder so Mm -hmm. you have to get faster at knowing where the good spots are and you get you get better at reading land and that's how you get faster at it
0: how far do you drive out from town to get to some of these tree planting locations
1: it depends. It depends. I've like in the past couple of years, I've worked actually in small communities like Barrier, B.C., which is just 45 minutes north of Kamloops. And then Clearwater, B.C., which is an hour and a half north of Kamloops. And where we were camped is really close to town. So we're not in the bush bush. So. It's...
0: But I imagine there's been plenty of times that you have been super isolated in your location.
1: Oh, yeah. Sometimes I've when I've worked up in northern BC, like some of our camps were two hours outside of any sort of community.
0: But like two hours driving through bush nothing.
1: roads. Yeah, nothing. They're just basically bush highways.
0: And so if you're not in forestry, you're not on these roads, basically.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you do get some recreational people yeah. who go out and like to hunt yeah. or do any sort of recreational ATVing, but that's pretty much it.
0: How much time do you spend in some of these locations?
1: It depends on how far out there you are sometimes, because like the drive on day off is just too long. Um, But when I first started planting, our shift schedule was four days on, one day off, but now it's three days on, one day off. So generally the day off, you would come spend your day driving if you're in a remote bush camp, driving two hours, go in town, do your laundry, get your food for the day, get whatever you need for the shift, and then you drive two hours back to camp. So you spend, if you're in a really remote bush camp, you spend two four hours driving.
0: I mean, I guess it sounds like you're mostly just doing chores on your day off. Uh, once you get into town, you're not quite living it up?
1: No, and back in the day when I when I would Drink and party and and nights off would be a lot more active for me. You'd be tired, you'd be hungover, you'd feel like crap, you're sunburnt, whatever, yeah.
0: And sore. And sore,
1: oh yeah, absolutely. You're just permanently tired.
0: When you finished up your first season tree planting, did you go back to Nascad?
1: No, that was enough of Nascad for a while.
0: So then at that point... The plan was to keep on tree planting?
1: For sure, yeah. When I went into tree planting, I wasn't like, oh, I'm unsure of this. I was so sure that this was something that I wanted to do based on the things that my friends were telling me. And I was so ready for a change that I was so keen to do it. This next season couldn't come quick enough, and I just was counting down the days. I was just so excited.
0: Did you think then that becoming a foreman might be a good idea for you?
1: I didn't really think about it because I just didn't have the confidence then I at the beginning I was still you know it took it took me till my third year to really get it to feel confident in my work and speed up and really push myself and know what I was capable of and you can always be faster. Always. And you think you're, when people say, Oh, I can't go any faster, it's like you can. You just need to, you just yeah. need to push it and you need to get into that headspace, that really focused headspace and be smart because really you're trying to make as much money out there as you can.
0: What was different about your third year tree planting that uh, made you realize that you could be a foreman?
1: My third year was really motivated. That was my first year doing coastal planting. So on the island, I was. Planting trees, which was a great experience, and, and it's gorgeous. And this is this and Vancouver Island. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're on Vancouver Island, and it's gorgeous, and it's but also rains like every day almost, and it's yeah. it's it's intense condi- conditions. Your trees are bigger, and your planting spacing is wider, and it's just different. the The ground is different. It's steep. It's right. Slashy. Slashy means just a lot of uh, debris, lots of fallen like logs and branches and whatever that they've left after they've harvested. So lots of that lots of rock in some areas, just lots of different things to kind of climb over. And it's tough. Yeah. But it's cool. Do do
0: they make more per tree on doing that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. Uh, Working on Vancouver Island, prices are generally higher depending on where you're working.
0: So is there less rookies planting on Vancouver Island? Yeah,
1: they often, it depends on the company, but most cases like they want more experienced planters. So my third year I did that and worked. I really enjoyed having like that long season. It kind of flowed right into spring.
0: So did you need to get any further education to become a foreman or could you do it kind of just based off experience?
1: When I was living on Vancouver Island, which I lived there for four years and it was great because it got me to work really easily and I was already there. So I had just a realization probably not one that's much different for a lot of people in trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives and are planting in the meantime. But I decided that I wanted to continue doing forestry-related work, so I applied to two different colleges, uh, Selkirk College in Castle Garby and I applied to Vancouver Island University to both forestry programs. Now I kind of wanted a change from the island, so I got accepted to the school in Castlegar. So I moved there, and I did that. And it was a two-year forest tech program, and I just graduated this this April.
0: So what are, what are you doing back in Halifax? How does NASCAD <laughs> fit in all this? I thought, I kind of
1: thought—I
0: <laughs> mean, I— I'm sorry for assuming, but I thought you were back in Nascad for something forestry related.
1: I decided because I, I I tree planted that like this past yeah. summer, and I and I went traveling with the money that I yeah, made yeah. or with some of the money I made, and and then I just kind of had this uh, lull of time. And I knew I probably wasn't going to get many forestry-related offers because generally it's in the spring where a lot of the big companies start hiring, not tree planting, just uh, big forestry companies. So I decided to finish my last semester at NASCAD. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So not, uh, It's not, not forestry not related. related. It felt really good to finish a program. And I had this time and I was like, huh, maybe I'll just move back to Halifax, right, right. spend time with my family and, yeah. and wrap up this degree and just kind of fill this little NASCAD void.
0: Okay. Well, I, I can understand that. It's I certainly appreciate l- wrapping up loose ends.
1: It's I'm so close. Like it's a semester's worth of credits. It's nothing. I'm here. Uh, what am I going to do otherwise? And it was a good opportunity to kind of give me an excuse to come home. And and. Uh, I will probably never do anything with it, but I've spent a lot of money. I've given that school a lot of money over the years, so I need to... Get that paper. I just need to get the paper, yeah.
0: So how would a foreman of a tree planting team in your position... Yes. What kind of stuff would you use your forestry diploma for?
1: I think it just depends on your focus. There was really, and like what interests you, because there's like quite a few tree planters that were in my class, my graduating class, so um, for forestry. And a lot of them go in lots of different directions. I still enjoy silviculture.
0: Sorry, silva?
1: Silviculture is just basically anything to do with forest uh, regeneration management. So I would really still like to have a part in forest regeneration. So that would involve making a lot of executive decisions about site preparation. So having a machine come in, turn up soil, um, just whether that needs to be done or not. Surveys, free-growing surveys, regeneration delay surveys, just lots of different types of stock surveys based on seeing what's out there make the executive decisions about what trees belong where and the species mix of what trees should go together and what thrives like making really good decisions
0: so relating to that species mix that you mentioned what's the big deal if we don't do that i mean what would happen if we just planted the same tree that grows the best
1: interestingly enough in BC that especially up north they planted almost exclusively lodgepole pine which it you know they'd have this monoculture of trees coming in no real diversity species diversity and and a lot of times you know lodgepole pine it's a type of tree it grows and it grows really fast and it grows big enough to harvest quickly and so you know when you're thinking Money, you're uh, pumping them out pretty quick. But the pine beetle came in, wiped out a lot of those trees, and and honestly, it, it created its huge fire hazard that we're paying for now in a lot of ways, amongst other things.
0: Was the reason that happened just because there wasn't maybe the most educated people making those decisions?
1: Hey, those were all educated people. They okay. just they just were not. Uh, making responsible decisions
0: and I mean is that because at the end of the day maybe money talks in that situation
1: I think so I think in a big way it does and um, but I think at the same time it's not just that I think in a way we are still learning there were you know I don't think anybody predicted any of those things would happen but they they did and the pine beetle was just absolutely catastrophic
0: so When people are deciding to plant trees, how do they know what kind of trees to plant and where to put them?
1: You're wanting to put certain species of trees there that you know are going to thrive. And based on a lot of things, ecologically speaking, you know, your elevation, your soil indexes, your site indexes, and these are all like technical terms, but you want to think about biodiversity Wildlife, economics, um, lots of different things influence what you plant there and what, what you want to grow there. So you always want to leave some remnants of that, those biological legacies that can keep the forest kind of healthy and retain some of those important ecological factors. You can take a bit, just, you know, leave some. And, and not necessarily yeah. all just trees, just even just foliage, yeah. plants. The forest, it's, it's, it's delicate.
0: And so why are we planting trees anyway? Like, why is this something that we need to get people to go out and do?
1: Okay, well, I'm just going to set the record straight that it's not from an environmental impact in the sense that we're not trying to save the world or make it a better place right. in that way you just learn that you're planting trees for a company like we're just a contracting company when you're tree planting you're just being contracted to replant the trees that are just going to be cut down later like a lot of people are just like oh you're just so good and <laughs> you're a hero, saving, you're, a hero. Yeah. you're uh you know you're saving the world thank god you're planting trees and yeah. and i'm just like i'm just at work really i'm yeah. not I try, I want to plant a good tree and I want to plant a tree that's going to grow. And at the end of the day, these trees do provide oxygen. You know, there are a lot of benefits to tree planting. They're good and they soil stability, biodiversity, nature, all those things. So it's not for the environmental. Or
0: not, at least for, don't do it because you're an environmentalist.
1: Yeah. You're just, you're working for the bigger man, really. You really
0: are. So are are those two, like, I assume you're not, uh, you know, out there, um, throwing plastic bags into the ocean and buying bottled water and
1: uh no, I'm I'm not uh yeah I'm not doing all of those things. I'm very conscious, actually, environmentally conscious, and I think that's of our generation. That's something that's that's right. becoming more of a thing. Too. Being
0: environmentally friendly is kind of becoming a little normal now. To
1: yeah, to if you're not recycling something, you feel bad, or if you're right. not if you're not putting you know you're putting food like in the garbage, you feel bad. Right. At least I do. It just doesn't, it feels foreign to me. But I don't know if tree planting has really influenced that.
0: What's the gender balance like out there? Were you nervous at all about being the only girl in a group of guys?
1: No, um, actually there is quite a few girls that that do it and it's it's great. There's more and more females, like ladies coming out and wanting to be a part of it, and it's really nice. And being a woman in a leadership role is really also. It feels really good to be able to help other ladies. And I, on my cruise, I really try and have a gender balance crew, mainly because if you have a male dominated crew or a female dominated crew, it's like, oh my god, yeah, it's well, just.
0: I assume it's like an office. Um, in that sense, like all the offices I've worked in where there was too much of one gender, the, it, you just have all the negativity that goes along with that. Um, yeah. Balance is good.
1: Balance is good, I've noticed, and I've always had a pretty gender balanced cruise, and it's something that I really push for, and I feel that it's something that we need to work on in life in general, and it's, uh, I think it's really important, and bringing lots of different different types of people to the table and on crews is, is important. So
0: Now that you're the one assembling these tree planting teams, do you find there's any difference at all between guys and girls? Or does one gender have strengths that the other doesn't? Or is it really more down to the individual?
1: It's really down to the individual. It really is. I've definitely had some guys over like over the years who have worked for me, where they you know I might end up giving them a, a piece of land to work in that's in their opinion sucks and they'll whine about it, but I'll give the same kind of the same thing to a female or yeah. a girl on the crew. and she's just like, oh yeah, this kind of sucks, but like whatever.
0: At least when you're building these tree planting teams and hiring different people, are there any skills and traits that you just know you have to look for?
1: Well, I do pretty thorough interviews, especially with people I don't know. Yeah. Um I I like to really get to know the person and it's it's down to their work experience and where they've been and what kind of land they've worked. I learn all of those things, but crew dynamic is everything to me. It it really matters. It it's so important that the people that you hire can work together, can communicate together that aren't looking out for number one all the time like of course everyone's out there individually making money individually however it's really important that they are able to work together as a team as well so crew dynamic and personalities really matter to me because you're spending 60 to 70 days in a truck I myself have to be able to tolerate these people and I try and pick personalities that I also are going to work together so it doesn't always work, but I do my best to try and like look for these traits that might jive together.
0: What kind of red flags go up when you're interviewing someone that might tell you or give you an indication that they're not quite cut out for tree planting?
1: I mean, I guess it would be like a rookie, like uh, somebody who's never planted before. And they're all they sound as keen, basically, as I did, but they have no idea. And and. They just kind of tell me like the things that they're interested in activities, extracurriculars, whatever. And like for me, I'm I'm just like, oh, yeah, I don't think that you would be good. But those are the ones who surprise you. They really are like some of the people that you think like you see on the first day at, you know, there was this one guy who didn't plant for me, but planted for someone else. And on his first day of work wore a pair of jeans which is like so not what you wear out there you Mm -hmm. wear you know spandex tights or just kind of loose fitting things other than but you don't wear jeans because they're not flexible really anyway so we were all just laughing at him and just being like oh he's not gonna last at all and he's been planting now for well I think he just finished his third year but he does he still wear jeans no no I don't think he wore jeans after the first day (laughs) but the ones that you don't expect are the ones that surprise you so I really I try and not judge a book by its cover or its resume, I guess. Try and have an open mind, because you never know.
0: So now that you've been tree planting for so long, like in the, in your 10 years, what kind of traits do you know that you have or skills or different attitudes that you have that make you a little bit better than the average person to tree plant?
1: Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> I'll just slap a little verbal resume together here. Sure. Um, I, I mean... I'm independent. I'm pretty good at solving problems. I I really like being outside no matter what the the weather or the sure. conditions. I like figuring out problems. I like running into problems and having and just being able to kind of figure things out. There's a lot of problem solving in this job. Even driving there, you know, there's there's a something in the road and you've got to like solve the problem like by st- chainsawing a tree or it's really muddy and you're having a hard time, like, getting through. I really try and make my day run as smooth as possible. The little, like, traits that I have are the ability to stay calm through really... Stressful times and being able to figure something out without getting too emotional and
0: especially, I guess, if you're leading a team, like you can't be the person to lose their head. Oh if no, trees, not at all. You You've got to
1: keep your, you have to keep your shit together. So
0: the, I mean, I never really thought of it, but I guess, like, if you, you know, you're saying you have a tree in the road, an hour and a half out of the city towards your site. Yeah, you're, you can't just be like, well, looks like we got to turn around, guys. So we're no, not. No, there's no. <laughs> Yeah.
1: No, I mean, often things like that just happen, and you have to try and figure out how you're going to manage.
0: Yeah, and like you don't have, you know, a a quote unquote supervisor that you can be like, hey, like, let's work on this together because you're by yourself.
1: Sometimes I do. Like, I care, like, we are given satellite phones, so because a lot of times we don't have phone service out there if we get into problems we do have a satellite phone so that we can call our supervisor and sometimes they're able to come and help us and unfortunately it's happened a couple times where something's happened and we need our supervisor to come we have to wait and that's a delay and so you just you try and make the best smoothest day possible for because if you're not if your planters aren't making money you're not making money as a foreman so it's
0: sounds like a pyramid scheme
1: yeah it does (laughs) except i'm not selling (laughs) monat hair product or something
0: (laughs) so since you've started like tree planting like as i mean This is, this is your job now. This is, it's in like being. Tree
1: planting. Yeah, it's, it's my job. That's your job. So like,
0: (laughs) but your life is now different because of this job, right? Like where you, where you live is the obvious one. Like you're living now in BC.
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: But in what other less obvious ways is your life now different because of your occupation?
1: With tree planting, I've A, I live out in BC. If I didn't do this job, I wouldn't probably be living there. I don't know what I'd be doing. I have right. no idea. But it has kind of just taken me to a whole, whole new part of the country, which is beautiful and amazing. And I've fallen in love with it. Financially, it has kind of given me some sort of security to live throughout the year when I'm not tree planting to do other things like travel and maybe take a course here and there stuff for myself spend time with my dog like so yeah. my dog's not home eight hours a day while I'm you know at work so th- there's a lot of things like that that have definitely made that that has changed my life
0: I mean I'm thinking more basic stuff like in the traditional sense you don't have weekends if you happen to leave a planting site on Friday you're not going to go home and get cleaned up for your weekend on the town.
1: No, no, not at all. Our, our our schedule, working schedule, is much different than the average person just because, at least for the companies I've worked for, because we work three days on, one day off, which it's honestly a great schedule because your recovery time is short. When you have too much time off in between your work days, your body starts recovering, and, it's, and then you actually get more sore and you feel yeah. more pain, I find. But you're you're not working so many days in a row that your body's in just in excruciating pain. Yeah. You do have that small recovery window, so so yeah, it's I think it's much better than working a five day week.
0: But and again, like another thing, it's not you're not living in your home for no, huge, oh big yeah, no, not at all, yeah. Um, so I mean, to me, that's kind of appealing because I I I find it almost a bit of a burden. It's like if you have a place then you get concerned about like filling it with some things like a couch for instance. Yeah. Whereas if you're not home for a large chunks of time. Yeah. You're less concerned about having like a comfortable couch to watch like a new TV on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I still have those things. Yeah. I still had a home. I, I don't have it anymore because uh, we, my partner and I, we moved from Nelson and so we put our stuff into storage and so that's where it is now. But yeah, there are periods of time where we were not there for for the summer. And so we're either paying rent and just keeping it um, or we're subletting or whatever. So, yeah, I've done many years of that because it is really nice to have that home base, to have a place. It's re- a lot. I know a lot of people who plant don't and that's fine. And But for me, being comfortable is really is really important and being surrounded by my things things are that are familiar we live a very nomadic life as tree planters and there's a lot of movement so when that when the tree planting season dies down it's nice to get to something more stationary so
0: if you continue down this career path do you run the risk of being promoted out of what you like doing about your job
1: For in a tree planting perspective or a forestry perspective?
0: Uh, Like wherever you see yourself going, like, will you have to surrender some stuff, some aspects of your job you really like?
1: Yeah. So let's say for a forestry perspective, like if I got hired on with one of these big companies, um, I really, especially while I'm still kind of (laughs) young, I'd still want to keep doing uh, outdoor field work. So if I got promoted to do more office work. I mean, I would have to weigh everything out, but that wouldn't be obviously my first choice. I mean, in a perfect world, it's love it's lovely to be out in and do bush work in the summertime and then do your office work in the right. wintertime because it's it's cold and it's yeah. in the mountains. I'd want to be outside as long as possible, as much as possible, but I got to listen to my body too. I don't want to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life.
0: But yeah. In a sense, it sounds like you've just continued your athletic career. I mean if you had continued playing volleyball you'd probably be saying the same kind of things.
1: I yeah, being involved with sports at such a young age is it's taught me so much about working as a team together and team leadership and team building and and just a lot of good values came out of that followed me. But I'm definitely probably feeling the effects of long you know strain.
0: But yeah, and it's it's That's an interesting thing. So, I mean, clearly one of the huge draws for this has always been being outside.
1: Yes. Yes. It's definitely the main attraction.
0: Were you like that when you were younger, too?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like, um, well, we spent our summers down with our cousins down at our cottage in St. Margaret's Bay. And it was before this time of cell phones and computers. And it was such a great time to experience that I'm not really all that jealous of kids these days that are just so consumed by screens and technology and you know it's a it's I don't know I we got to experience lots of great stuff and being outside and being bored and figuring out what to do with yourself when you're bored and when people are bored now they just go on their phone and fill that little gap of time and of staring out into space and looking at things. Instead, they're staring at a screen. So
0: since you work outside so much and like some of these places I imagine are just so isolated, I'm imagining you've seen some pretty cool nature scenes. And I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I just have this vision in my head that, you know, you're coming up on a clearing and there's butterflies and then this Mama Bear comes out with a couple of cubs and there's like this rainbow behind it.
1: That sounds like some crazy LSD experience to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, what's it actually like out there? Like, what is it like when you're so far out in the forest?
1: It's definitely you're in the elements. It's raining. It's hailing. You experience in June, you experience every single what type of weather out there. It'll be sunny and 30 degrees and then 10 minutes later it'll be rain that turns to hail, that turns to snow and it's 4 degrees. Oh my god, it's crazy. Yeah, in June. Those systems, the when you're in the mountains or when you're even just not in the mountains, weather systems just move through very quickly. It's wild. So with that, there's lots of bugs. All the ones that bite you and leave marks and drink your blood and hornets and wasps and all they're all just horrible but you get used to it yeah you do you really do and there's bears and i've had a couple interesting bear experiences lots of bears i can't remember what year this was maybe my fourth year but i was out planting uh my crew boss was bringing some trees into this kind of like isolated back pocket area. So she kind of, she carried trees in for me. So I didn't have to like go all the way back to the road and bag up and whatever. Anyway, it just made everything easier. And so I was, so I was pretty isolated. And then all of a sudden I see a baby deer and it's so cute and so little. And it, it had to have been like a day or two old and often mums leave them during the day to go you know get something to eat whatever and then they come back I'm not touching this deer but I'm seeing it and like eventually it kind of like runs away and then out of the tree line comes this bear and it grabs it and then it runs away with it and it's just like just killing it it just destroyed it yeah, <laughs> oh,
0: man, geez. Well, that kind of takes my whole tranquil, serene LSD trip you were talking about and turn it pretty real. What kind of bear does that? Is that a grizzly bear or a black bear? It was a black bear. And so those are the like, for at least from a human's perspective, obviously not of your baby deer, but black bears aren't the scary ones.
1: No, that. Well, they can be. There's okay. definitely. It's still a wild animal. Yeah.
0: If it's ripping apart a baby deer in front of you, I guess it doesn't seem so harmless either.
1: Uh, yeah, um, just came into the world and went out of the world just as quick.
0: <laughs> have you ever seen a grizzly or anything like that? No,
1: I have not. I worked up as as northern BC as smithers, and I definitely thought I would see one maybe up there because it's pretty f- far north but i i didn't i didn't see anything i was planting even right, right next to a grizzly bear sanctuary and oh, never yeah. m- never managed to see one and honestly it's that's okay with me i don't need to see those they yeah. they look great on the internet
0: <laughs> okay well at least before we wrap up i need to know do you think that with the bears and bugs and all the weather considered do you think that I could do a tree planting season?
1: Uh, Mike, you, I don't know. I you just don't know. she just
0: you just looked me up and down. And I know I'm wearing <laughs> jeans right now. But um I've I've gone on I can I can show endurance.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Um, stuff. Don't but, you have your masters? I think that's, that's yeah, endurance yeah, through there. That's, yeah. To get I through that.
0: <laughs> but then at the end of the season you might never see me again. Uh but like if I've agreed to do one see anyway. I digress but you're
1: fired mike <laughs> fired before i was even hired
0: <laughs> all right well that's it for our time thanks so much to elise holden for coming to talk to me today i really appreciate it
1: thanks mike this has been really great
0: a personal philosophy of mine is to always try to be doing something whether that means you're actively getting new experiences or simply making extra money tree planting it would seem, can tick both of these items off your list. Even if your goal is purely financial, remember, it's gonna take at least a year or two before you're making the big bucks. Because like most things in life, if you're just rushing through the task with no attention to quality, expect to be called out on it. And if your goal is to simply help the environment, well, there's probably better ways you could be doing that too. So how does one get into this line of work? By the sound of it, a love of the outdoors is a pretty good place to start. But at the end of it, resilience and the ability to work as a team is what will keep you planting. Just leave those genes at home. I learned from Elise that a career in forestry isn't just about utilizing the trees we have today. It's far more about having trees for the future. And that's where the challenge lies. Figuring out where and when to plant what trees so that a fire, a beetle, or even just the climate doesn't destroy your future livelihood. So the next time you hear from me, I'll be talking political science with PhD candidate Mark Trussler. Quite frankly, I don't think anyone knows what political scientists do. Except for political scientists, I think. I do know that Mark Trussler loves the work that he does and much of the lifestyle that goes along with it. Why is that exactly? I don't know. Make sure to check out my next episode to find out more. Once again, thank you for joining me. I had a great time.